Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when we let the seriousness of these issues inspire us. This week's guest is Micah Dewani, and he is a published author, a coach, a speaker, and above all, a lot of his activism work is centered around civil rights and social justice. I got to talk with Micah about his book, Step Into My Shoes, Memoirs from the Other Side of America, and how his experiences as a young black man shaped his activism and who he is today. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Micah Dewani. Yeah, so my name is Micah Dewani. Um, I'm 20 years old. I'm originally from Maryland, but I'm now based in South Florida. So um, I grew up as a soccer player, you know, an athlete. And then um, I actually had, I suffered from, you know, a couple of medical conditions uh, when I was in high school. So that, that led to me becoming a soccer coach. Um, I started like a private training business to, um, you know, help communities and stuff like that. And then I moved on to college, ended up um, writing a book. So I became a published author. And then um, from there, my, I think my work, so my book was kind of about like civil rights, social injustice. And so from there, you know, my work just kind of like spiraled out of control. And so um, I ended up producing a series about my book and just starting to work with companies. And so, yeah, now I'm now I pretty much list myself as an author, producer, public speaker and licensed coach. Um, um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much who I am. That's perfect. That was a great start. And welcome to the show. So I'd love to start off by talking about the experiences you've had, the challenges you faced that brought you to this point in your life where you felt like you needed to make your voice heard and really get involved in the activism space. Can you tell me some about that backstory for you? Right. So I think so the main emotion that really drove my book forward was frustration. Um, so I grew up in, in the black community and then like a multicultural community. And so the issues around race were always like we all knew the issues growing up. And so I never felt like people didn't understand what I was talking about until I moved to college. You know, I moved to an upscale college. And unfortunately, how things go is like upscale institutions are usually more white and, you know, there's less people of color. And so that's what I got around, like just more white people. And I wouldn't bring up race all the time or anything, but when I did, it was always um, received negatively or people didn't understand what I was talking about. And so I'd had a writing background, you know, I was a head writer from my yearbook in high school. So I I've known how to write since I was like young. And so I don't know, I kind of just was thinking, how can I really make these things clear? And so that's when I started like writing stories and, and really my notepad just about my life, I was like, well, if I give you statistics and numbers, you can debate that and say, well, this, this company is not credited. I was like, let me give you my life. This is, this is my real life dealing with like race. And so I'd had the stories written down. And then when lockdown started in 2020, I was like, okay, let me translate these stories into like a book manuscript, really. So that's what I did. And then as the events around George Floyd's murder started to unfold and like the the uh, protests and things of that sort, I was like, okay, yeah, I should put this out 
as like a full book for people. And so that's what I did. So it really started from frustration, just, just people not understanding what was happening. And that's literally where my subtitle for my book comes from, Memoirs from the Other Side of America. It's like, I think for a lot of non-Black people, um, they live in this one side of America where it's like, where like race is like not really a thing, like racism. And so I was like, this is the other side for people who look like me. And so, yeah, I think just being frustrated with people not understanding and wanting to just bring light to these like real, real severe issues just in my own personal way, which was through my writing. Yeah, definitely. And that makes a lot of sense. So then right after your book, you developed your audio series, right? So I would love for you to tell me some about the series as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so after my book came out, um, Step Into My Shoes, I just kept hearing people say, like, Micah, you're creating conversations. And, um, you know, even people who read my book and reached out to me or called me on my phone or whatever, and I would talk to them about my book and just some of those topics, I, I was just thinking to myself, like, I feel like it would be good for people to hear some of these conversations being sparked by my book. So that's when um, Step Into My Shoes, the series, became an idea. I was like, I was like, let me sit down with some special guests from different backgrounds, different perspectives, and really touch on some of the things that I've touched on in my book, like, um, you know, racism, police brutality, uh, mental health, connecting Black America with like a worldwide community, and just topics like that, even um, how the sporting world has been dealing with all of this stuff going on. And so I was like, let me sit down with some guests who are really fitted to kind of have those conversations and can speak from their own personal experiences about these things. And so that's really how that idea came together. Uh, so yeah, it's a five part series. It's not like a continuous podcast or something like that. It's five parts and it's, it's thematic. So it follows kind of my book. And um, yeah, it's me sitting down with um, different guests on each episode and kind of having those conversations. Just, just I, I guess like a deeper dive into black experience pretty much. Um, and yeah, it, it was an interesting process to create it because I had never done something like that before. And so I had to learn, um, you know, graphic design, how to do vocal engineering, and I couldn't get the music I wanted to get on my series cleared. So I had to learn like musical composition and learn how to like format music pieces. And so it, it became like, a, I think a full body of work, I would say. And so, yeah, that came out not too long ago. And I think it's, it's been pretty important just to emphasize that like Micah Dewani and his experiences are not like the entire black experience. Like there's people who have a different point of view or perspective. And so I think my series highlights the black spectrum, if that makes sense. Definitely. And I'll definitely have to check that out. It sounds really interesting. So I'd love to also talk some about your advocacy around the importance of mental health and especially in black and brown communities. You mentioned it briefly when you talked about the series, but can you tell me some about why you think it's so important to have conversations and raise awareness about mental health? Yeah, so I think I started talking about mental health. It's in my book. Um, and then I've worked on some projects to deal with mental health, you know, here in the U.S. and in other countries. And um, I think growing up in the black and brown community, there's like negative stigmas around mental health. Like it's, it's not really taken that seriously. And if you, if you, if you need like mental health treatment, it's kind of like, well, I mean, we're not crazy. So we don't really need that. Not every time, but just too many times that's the case. And so I think the older I got, I had to start to realize like, 
I need to start being emotionally in tune with myself because the mind is so important because it, it literally like it can affect how you perceive things. It can affect how you like engage in your, in your everyday life. It's so important just to like regard your mind as like a safe space and like a, a healthy space for that reason. And so, especially as black and brown people dealing with like race related trauma, I was like, it's important for me to kind of talk about this because I think these are very severe things that can often leave you in a mentally dark place. And so kind of with my work, just encouraging people to seek mental health resources. You know, I share them online. In my book, I touch on them. I talk about even just crying, just being okay with crying. I talk about, and, and I think I think um, the bonus chapter of my book, talking about crying after George Floyd got killed. And so many Black people, Black men specifically, were reaching out to me like, Micah, I never knew it was okay to cry until you said I could, because as a man, as a Black man, it was like, you know, you have to, you have to you know, be hard, you know, you can't cry. And so just just me realizing like, wow, we have a lot of stigmas in our community around mental health and emotions. And just, I think my biggest message has been to like say, it doesn't make you weak or soft to like, to um, deal with your emotions in a real way or seek mental health resources or go to even therapy if you, if you have the opportunity to. And so that's kind of been my biggest message I've been trying to portray with my work because I think even with the quarantine time, it's like we're isolated right now. There's not there's like a lack of social support. So it's really important to take your mental health seriously, um, especially when you come from a community where it's not really taken that seriously. I'm kind of saying with my work, like now it's really time to and it's time to teach the next generation as well to learn from our mistakes and to really from from day one, just regard their mental health and emotions as like something to prioritize. So that's kind of what I do with um, a bit of my work. Definitely. And I think those are all great points. I also would love to talk about how soccer has helped to shape who you are as a person and how it's shaped how you look at the world. You mentioned that you used to play and now you're a coach, so it's obviously played a pretty significant role in your life. And I'd just love to know how that kind of fits into who you are today and the work that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting because I think when my work started picking up with like social injustice, I was kind of looking at my past life, you know, in the athletics world and try to just see like, how can I bridge these two worlds together and kind of use anything I learned in the past to help me with my work now. And I really found two things specifically. So one, I think being in the soccer world and having the issues of race always bleed into that world showed me how serious social injustice was, because I think I could speak for a lot of athletes when I say, when you play a sport, oftentimes that's your like, that's your getaway from the harsh realities of life. That's kind of your, in this moment, for, for this hour on the field, I'm worried about the sport. And so if I have a family issue at home or something going on in my personal life, that's, that can get put to the side right now. And I, and I can kind of worry about, you know, scoring this goal or whatever it may be. But for me, I always saw the issues of race bleed into the soccer world. You know, um, watching, you know, European football, um, soccer, and just watching Black players get called monkeys or just face racist chants from, like, fans. Or, like, I, w- I would have instances where, you know, my teammate, you know, I played, I played on a predominantly Black team. And so we might play against white teams sometimes. And I remember I had teammates who would, who would get called, like, monkeys, and you, they would hear, like, go back to Africa and things of that sort. And it really showed me like, this is a real issue. Like there's no running away from this. 
And so I think that kind of gave me that burning fire to speak out because it was like every dimension of my life was being affected by race. And, and seeing race being influenced in the sporting world showed me like, there's no running from this issue. Like you need to deal with it. And so I think on, on the other side, I think playing sports kind of gave me a collectivist mindset because obviously soccer is not a, is a, is a team sport. It's not a um, one person sport. And so you have to kind of have this mindset of, I need to play for my team. I need to do things with my personal influence that'll benefit other people, not just myself. And so I think that relates to the work I do today because now the work I do, is not about Micah Dewani, it's about a whole community. And so I think having that brotherhood and, and, and really, you know, playing soccer and doing my work on the field to help my whole team kind of gave me that collectivist mindset to where my, with my work today, I'm, I'm kind of talking to a broad range of people. I'm kind of speaking for whole communities. And so I think those are kind of the two main things that I've pulled from my, from my background as a soccer player and as a coach. Yeah, that's a really interesting aspect of your story that's pretty unique. So thank you so much for sharing that. So it's about a year after George Floyd's death, which you mentioned was so transformative and impactful for you and for the rest of the country, of course. So for all of the people who still want to be involved and support the civil rights movement, but may not really know what to do, what are the best ways for people, specifically white allies, to support the movement for racial justice in America? Yeah, so I would really just say find your voice. You know, I don't think like everyone doesn't have to be Malcolm X or MLK or a member of the Black Panther Party. You know, I think everyone has their own voice. Even for myself, I've kind of taken taken um, my voice using more like writing because I like to write and I'm comfortable writing. So I think understanding what is my voice. I think for some people, it might be utilizing social media. And saying like, okay, I can see helpful things and kind of reshare them at times when, when that's necessary. And um, really like help my audience come to understand what's going on in America. I think just as a mindset, staying for the long haul, you know, not, not thinking of the Black Lives Matter movement as like a trend, like almost like a TikTok trend. Like, oh, it's a fun little thing to compete with and, and be involved in. And then it'll, it'll come and go. Like, no, this is a real issue. And so let me stay for the long haul and continue to show up and continue to educate myself. And I think I would also say, when you see something, speak out about it. I think for me, when I'm often in predominantly white areas, I will hear racially ignorant things. And so I always wonder, like, I wonder what's being said when I'm not around these people. And so I think if you're around, you know, a bunch of white people and you hear things being said that are, that are wrong, is speak up about it. You know, say like, hey, this is wrong. Like, like you, you know, just... Just, just kind of say your piece if you can, you know, when you see, when you see something wrong, just speak up about it. And I think that's really what I would say is honestly, just find your voice and find your own kind of niche of where I can really fit into the movement. Like I said, what one person may do is not what, is not what another person is going to do. And so I think for people is just finding out what is my voice. And I think um, also staying educated is like, you know, reading books about this stuff, watching documentaries. There's, there's plenty of podcasts about, you know, racial injustice and, and how to be informed and, and educated. And so I think staying up to date about that kind of stuff will also help you know how to speak out. But yeah, ultimately find your own voice, you know, and be confident in your own voice. Once you find it, know that that's your voice for a reason and you have a unique voice that's fitted to yourself. And so use it in your own, I guess, way. 
Definitely. And you gave lots of great advice in that last answer. So this can be a shorter one if you want. But I do have one last question for you and I'm excited to get your take on it. Lots of young people want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world. Do you have any advice for those people who may just not really know where to get started? Well, one thing I like to say is that as young people, I feel like we can't look towards older people to make change because a lot of older people are not going to be around to see the changes that they're trying to make. And so I feel like young people, we should really take the initiative because if we're making change right now, 20, 30 years from now, we're going to be the ones still alive looking at what happened with those changes. And so I feel like when you leave, if you leave, if we leave it to like 70 year old politicians, they're not going to be around to see those changes, you know? So I feel like that's kind of what I guess pushes me forward is like, I'm going to be the one around possibly having kids one day and looking at the future based on what we did right now. And so that's, that's kind of what motivates me. But I would also say, just look at the people in front of you as inspiration. You know, I think there are plenty of young activists who are just doing their thing in, in their respective field that you can kind of look to for inspiration and for guidance of like, okay, I can kind of see the direction that they took their work and, and kind of their journey as they became like a, a young rising voice. And let me look to that and kind of pull inspiration or pull advice from them and, and, and look at their journey and, and, look, and look at that for inspiration. So that's kind of that's kind of my advice is like, you know, you, I think you have people who set the example for you of like, this is how you can do it. And so look to them and don't be overwhelmed by that, but look at that as inspiration. So I, th I think ultimately like changing your mindset about how to be courageous and how to use your voice. I think um, we're, all, we're all called to speak out in our own way and we're all called to, to be a part of making a positive change. So don't, don't let the the seriousness of these issues overwhelm you, you know, let it inspire you. So that, that'd be my advice. I really enjoyed talking with Micah, and I think he made some great points about continuing the fight for racial justice in this country. We all have a role to play in shaping a better future for our generation and the generations to come and you can make positive change in simple, everyday interactions. Micah's advice for white allies about stepping into conversations that may be offensive or misguided is a great example of taking small steps toward bigger, lasting change. We can't let ourselves get bogged down by how huge and scary issues like racial justice are, and we can't let them overwhelm us. Because change comes when we let the seriousness of these issues inspire us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Micah on Instagram at Micah19 underscore to get connected with him and stay updated with his work. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.